Welcome back to The Stack. This week, we speak with Josh Lehman, Executive Director of the Urbit Foundation. We discuss foundation initiatives for education and future projects, the art of pouring tea, and the role and constitution of the Urbit Foundation Board. And I would be remiss if missing the chance to do a little victory dance in front of all you non-Joshes out there. There was some 30 to 40 years ago, a millennial moment when the omens were good, the stars in alignment, and in every hood were moms of grace and refinement creating Joshes. Now, on Urbit, you find the Joshes everywhere. A veritable Josh Dow. Urbit is God's own Josh D multiplexer. A benevolent AI run amok, churning out Joshes, Josh maximalizing. A Joshua tree, every cell a pair of Joshes, every atom a Josh. Instead of paperclips or gray goo, the end of history is a Josh Mandelbrot. An anecdote presented by the linguist John R. Ross goes thus. A little old lady attends a lecture on cosmology given by William James. At the end, she approaches him. Your theory that the sun is the center of the solar system, and the earth is a ball which rotates around it, has a very convincing ring to it, Mr. James, but it's wrong. I've got a better theory, said she. And what's that, madam? inquired James politely. That we live on a crust of earth, which is on the back of a giant Josh. Not wishing to demolish this absurd little theory by bringing to bear the masses of scientific evidence he had at his command, James decided to gently dissuade his opponent by making her see some of the inadequacies of her position. If your theory is correct, madam, he asked, what does this Josh stand on? You're a very clever man, Mr. James, and that's a very good question replied the little old lady. But I have an answer to it, and it's this. The first Josh stands on the back of a second, far larger Josh, who stands directly under him. But what does the second Josh stand on? persisted James patiently. To this, the little old lady crowed triumphantly. It's no use, Mr. James. It's Josh's all the way down. And to this, I add, all the way up, too. And I'm not joshing. Oh, well, I I guess I am pretty much always joshing. Oh, by the by, because you've all been so good this year, and because this is a special episode of The Stack, I asked Andy to provide us all a little something for the intro. And by golly, Urbit's national treasure has done it again. Let's listen. Genius. Genius. Peerless in his generation. And I get to work with this man on a weekly basis. Just, it boggles the mind. And now, the news. First, there's a new website at urbit.media. It was built by anonymous lunatics hell-bent on creating truth and beauty. And by truth, I mean whatever I say there. And by beauty, I mean that I will be showing face in videos. Furthermore, we have invited Urbit artists and writers to open their notebooks to us, which are then pushed to the open web for boomers and normies to get various mind-altering pills from. 
Just as every episode of The Stack is the perfect platonic form of the podcast, so will every product of Urbit Media be the perfect platonic form of whatever it is, whether news or literature or picture. I do not hesitate to add that if you are a crypto-rich shitlord, we can take over the world faster if you drop fat stacks on us so we can drop fat stacks on the masses. Next, DC Spark has released their developer's guide for integrating login with Urbit ID. No longer will you have to use Google and Facebook and GitHub and email and your mobile, skin sample, or vital fluids to log in to your calendar application. Now you can integrate with Urbit ID with web apps and authenticate like an aristocrat by ordering yourself to be identified based on your inherent God-given nature and smooth aquiline physiognomy as represented in the form of the ERC-721 standard. Go forth! Inject yourself into Web2 apps everywhere, and watch them open themselves to you like a rose-scented Andalusian girl. Finally, a new app to highlight called Kepler. Kepler is written by Hodwin Navsim and is a shitcoin tracker. That's it, no joke. It tracks shitcoins. He modestly claims it isn't fully production-ready, and yet it moves. If anyone comes around to tell me that that was Galileo and not Kepler, I tell you that Beelzebub has a devil put aside for you. And now our conversation with Josh Lehman. My dream is to have, like, you guys should do, like, a five Josh. There's, like, five different Joshes of decent enough notoriety in the... uh, Urbit, Urbit verse, and uh, you guys should just do do an episode together. This philosophy, Josh, Josh is incredibly confusing. Yeah, this week. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's philosophy, Josh, and there's like marine uh, VC fund, Josh. I think mm-hmm. is it. Is that right? Yep. Yep. And then and then there's a marine podcast, Josh. And then there's Josh who runs the foundation. Who's best, Josh? That's the question. I think there's competing schools there, right? I mean, it, it, you know, sort of different. We, we don't, Josh we don't have much overlap. Yeah, um, to be fair, aside from the name, uh, but that's true. Yeah, there's there's not a unified. Yeah, how theme dare the you? <laughs> yeah. There should be though. We should we should. I mean, clearly we're taking over. Yeah. Clearly, is this a is this a Josh Dow? Is this the thing that the kids do now these days? I've heard that there's a that's Matt what we Dow, should. actually, at Assembly. There was a guy named Matt who was telling me he's part of a Matt Dow with like 42 other Matts. That's oh, how. yeah. 42. Yeah. Does he, does he, is there a token? Is it tokenized? Is there a, They can pump the coin. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, betting on who's got the best name, who can most efficiently, I don't know, allocate capital into other... Or something. I don't, uh, yeah. Something is it like is that. it like a situation where it's a one to one? You know, like if you put if you deposit a Josh token, I mean a, a Matt token into the contract, you can actually get a Matt back, like rap just star. Summon a Matt. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think we should get a rap. We, we need a rap Josh. Rap a rap Josh. Josh. Yeah, this is the next one. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Anyway. We're too well, pro-natalist on this show to allow rap Josh as a... Agreed. I'm, mes- I'm mesmerized because there's a there's an ambulance outside my window, and uh, they're, they're requiring everybody who gets COVID, even if it's just the sniffles, to transport by ambulance. So that's what's going on, and I'm just kind of watching wow. that uh, Did you see... But, you saw, well, you saw that, that huge line of... Um, 
ambulances in Shenzhen. So in Shenzhen, I I had no idea. I like, I mean, I I have not lived in mainland China as as much as you have, but I have spent a lot of time there, and、uh, I don't think I have ever seen an ambulance. Like maybe once. Like I just assume that when people have a heart attack, they have to get like thrown into a taxi or something like that and get to the hospital.、Um, but yeah, so there's there's this viral video for the people at home, and it's like a thousand ambulances descending on this housing complex because there was like a handful of cases, I guess, in this place. So it's、um, it is an impressive demonstration of state capacity. I'll give them that. Yeah, COVID has been full of impressive displays of state capacity. It, it may be. It, it's. I think it's predominantly. It certainly has. Yeah. 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 But I do think. I mean, I think that、um, to pivot in a way, like you know, it's interesting that Urbit has grown together with COVID, and maybe like I'm just like、um, projecting my own lived experience onto it. But you know, we came in, Josh and I, and Josh jo- Habsul,、um, you know, sort of like in the early days of COVID and cor- you know the Corona Chan channel and everything、mm-hmm. like that. And I I just associate the platform very distinctively with this like new lifestyle and everything、um, that we've、yep. been thrust into. Yeah, I I came in and stuck at the same time. You know, I'd been. Circling Urbit for years prior, but it was early 2020 that I came back and then continued to stay. Which was also the time that Urbit became actually useful in the first place with you know landscape、yeah. hitting. So you know it's hard to say which one it was, but I know Tim has spoken at length to the fact that you know Urbit became like his his entire social life during COVID, and is how he you know actually maintained sanity、um, and connection with a bunch of people.、Um, Some level of sanity,、sure. at least. This is this is Tim Luck Tim Luck Mipdev, the, yeah, yeah. the、um, Bitcoin wallet developer who was like episode five or something. I think we we did him、yep. a long time ago. We should、uh, catch up again. The、um, but you、uh, you came back. It was formally right. Like you came back to、um, run the foundation at first within Tlon, right?、Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a. August of 2020,、um, I came in at the start just to run the grants program, and the idea was if that went well, then you know I could run the foundation too.、Um, as you know, we need we need someone first to tackle grants and figure out what the foundation should even do, and the you know closest approximation to that is run a grants program,、um, and eventually you should figure out what what the heck this foundation is for, and、uh, you know run that. Um, it started with Antoine, stayed there for a little longer than we originally expected,、um, but but that is now history.、Um, you know, it is no longer a within Antoine entity, except of course for yeah, you know, our credit card because international banking sucks and they're very gracious <laughs> and、uh, are we're keeping a nice a nice tab open.、Um, that's going to be real fun. Thank you,、back. Eric. Thank you, Eric. Eric's the、um, man. The, um, so、uh, and so so just kind of going back. I mean, like so the grants program, you know, hackathon and stuff. So、uh, that would be like bounties and everything. Is that still ongoing?、Mm-hmm. Oh yeah,、um, it's 
you know, morphed a lot. I mean, at the start, it was there's bounties, there's proposals, there was this funky little grants website. Well, it's not five five stars for a Fibonacci. Yeah, it's not five stars for Fibonacci anymore. (laughs) You need to upgrade to that, like Towers of Hanoi or something. Um, But no, it's it's uh, we we still we still give out a lot of stars. I think our grants program, compared to a lot of the other grants programs I've gone and perused, we probably reward more. then I, I think I usually see post on other grants programs, but um, mm. but I, I don't know how well those ones do at actually producing things. And ours is pretty darn good. Uh, we have a lot of yeah. very high quality things that have come out of the grants program, like Port um, and you know Tim Luckman have um, all kinds of of great things. The Bitcoin wallet pretty much entirely came out of that with some help from Talon as well. Um, so. It's around. We are trying to move, you know, the, the early conception of the grants program was we have me that runs it, um, which meant being on calls all day long with people working on grants. I thought early on that the way to make a grant successful was to have a person that worked on it with the contributor. And I think that's that's still a mainstay of the program because otherwise in this day of internet distractions, it's very easy for people to pick up a project and then get distracted by some other one. And if there's no one, you know, like bothering you every week and being excited to hear from you about what you've accomplished, um, it's pretty easy to just kind of get disheartened or become distracted by something else, give up, um, watch Netflix. I don't know what people do, but you know, they, they stop doing what they were going to do. Uh, whereas if you have, it feels like you're working on, on a team, um, things go a lot better. Even if that other team member is basically just doing nothing but checking in and saying, tell me what you've done. I'm very excited about this. Um, this is going to be super right. Um, the problem with the early grants program was that, you know, I reviewed all the proposals. Um, I had to write all the bounties. And what, one of the things I figured out very early on is it takes a really long time to write a good bounty because you know, basically the amount of upfront work you put into specifying something is the amount of quality is basically proportional to your certainty of getting what you want back. There were many bounties that had been specified before that either didn't produce anything or produced something that was totally wrong because the bounty was like two paragraphs that said, you know, build a Bitcoin integration. It's like, okay, what the hell is that? Um, how does that work? Mm-hmm. You have to navigate specifically what that is, which means understanding how Urbit works and understanding how the system is that you're trying to build it. And actually scoping that out is um, a lot of work. It took me like a month to write the Bitcoin wallet bounty. Um, so having one person manage all the relationships and review all the proposals and be the, the arbiter of what constitutes a quality proposal that's going to deliver on some value and writing all of the bounties is, you know, slow, um, among other things it, it doesn't work very well. And so we've moved the grants program into something that tries to distribute that load, um, amongst the people that are doing grants themselves, um, and throughout the, the community at large. And this was kind of inspired by working with Tim because after he did the Bitcoin wallet bounty and did an amazing job on it, um, 
I hired him to join the foundation and do what I'd done with him. And that worked out very well for him. He, he predominantly, you know, he both wrote up a bunch of bounties. He helped me figure out which proposals we should approve. Um, and also ran a lot of apprenticeships where he would have people mm-hmm. you know, work on a less well-defined project um, in kind of a learning capacity where the, the stated goal was to teach this person how to build a thing. And it was really less important that the thing that they were building actually got built. Um, right. That turned a, that turned out a lot of great contributors that he went on to go and hire for Akbar now. Um, it turned out a lot of people that ended up getting hired at various companies. Um, and what we do now is we try and take the, that one-on-one model and apply it to allow proposals to be selected by the community of people that have previously done good work on grants or just on the system in general. Um, anyone that's have a, you know, a, a fairly lengthy track record of, of doing real contributions to the network in some capacity, they are now the arbiters of what gets to be a proposal. And by mm. basically stating, yes, this proposal should be done, they are agreeing to see it through to completion. And that means meeting with the person on a weekly basis, just as I did with Tim and Tim did with all these other people. Um, and we give them a little kickback for doing that as well. Um, yeah. Bounties, we try and get other people to write them. You know, it's basically a bounty is just another way of you know, like writing a, it's, it's contract work, basically. Uh, here's a job post, do the job. Um, and if the job is very well specified, then, and the person is actually qualified, you can be pretty sure that it's going to get done. Um, you, of course, want to check in with the person and, you know, kind of course correct as time goes on because sometimes requirements change. And so it requires a bit of supervision um, because you're paying for the work. And that's ideally the way it goes is, you know, I can post a bounty and I will pay for it, the poster, which may not be the Urban Foundation, but I can request that the Urban Foundation actually fund some of it. Um, hmm. So, and we will fund things to the degree that what is being built is kind of a public good. Um, something that is less, you know, hey, go build my product that I'm going to raise a bunch of money for rather than, you know, hey, go build this thing that is actually going to be a building block for all kinds of people. Um, and then we still do apprenticeships, you know, those are largely unchanged. They're very successful. Um, there's, you know, been a lot of great success stories of people that have come through apprentices, which is, you know, really just, you have a knowledgeable person, you have a less knowledgeable person. The goal is to mentor this person, um, where you get about how many of those are ongoing at any given time. Right now we've got about four or five with two that are open on the site. I think there's actually two that are about to go lot that are, we're basically claimed offline. The way a lot of apprenticeships work mm. is you just apply and say, Hey, I want to do an apprenticeship. And then we have a private group full of people that we've vetted to be mentors and uh, we'll interview you, take notes, post that to this group. And they have the option to just go in and say, yes, I want to go and do an apprenticeship with this person. And they hammer out a project mm. on the fly. This is how most of them work. You know, I know like Joe Bryan at Tron. Right. Um, he's maybe been the, you know, has probably done more apprenticeships than, than anybody. Um, and has hired um, a couple of people through this. 
Uh, one guy who's been just an absolute beast ever since he came on. Um, you'll see him all over the Urbit GitHub, Peter. Um, he's, he's kicking ass. The runtime is going to be great. Mm. Um, I know DC Spark. They they just found oh, two yeah, premises yeah. that way, um, and these okay. they're building a an Urbit password manager as an apprenticeship with Urbitvisor, um, and one other one. I'm forgetting exactly what this is, but they found another guy, and uh, this is I really think one of the best hiring tools ever. It's yeah. like you get to hire someone by having them do a real job, and they get paid for it by somebody else, the Urban Foundation, um, and you get paid for, you know, spending the time doing this. And then you get a quality hire that you got to vet ahead of time by working with them um, in yeah. actuality. It's just has, um, such an has, has Rap Stars Has Rap Stars changed how you pay people yet, or are you still kind of doing chunky star grants and stuff? It... It's early to say because we, since we, like, one of the things about most grants is that they take a long time to finish, longer than you think they will. Right, yeah. This is generally true of any software project. Um, you know, you take any amount of time and then it'll be done in like twice as long as you think it will. Um, even if you factor in, in fact, there's a name of this law, I forget what it is, um, but, uh, you know, kind of a cheeky programmer thing anyway it uh they take a while we started doing rap star for grants in january we've had a number of people that are accepted under the new system but i don't think we've actually paid out any grants in rap star that have been started under that system it should mean this because now we can you know allow a person to say like hey i'm going to do this thing for and i'm requesting fifteen thousand dollars which is more of a meaningful number for a certain amount of time that a person thinks they're going to spend on something um, than n number of stars, which may be way too much or way too little. Um, it's uh, so I think it is going to change things. We have a, you know, I was just talking to Sarlov Sarson earlier today, who's joined as kind of our, our interim director of grants. He's interviewing for, for this internally to help manage all of these programs. And he's, um, very prolific around the network knows it really keeps up to date with what's going on and, and knows oh we know him you know yeah him, of course his 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 uh specialty i guess just to let people know is um just business he helps he helps businesses run businesses run their businesses mm -hmm. yeah he's he's great to work with and he was we were talking about putting together a, a micro grants program, like a good pipeline of things to do after you come out of say hood school where you're looking for some small contained issue for, you know, a $500,000, $2,000 award, um, something small that's based on, you know, some open issue, uh, in the project. Um, so Rapstar stands to help how this works. And it also stands to, you know, allow people to well, utilize the address space they earn much more efficiently if Rapstar had any liquidity at all, uh, which is an ongoing problem that we're working on. Um, and I can only say a little bit about because it's also a 
in a very scary place to be operating in with respect to you know regulation <laughs> um so yeah. everyone's been like kind of trying to keep that project Everyone can use their imagination foot pole yeah. distance um we we think yeah. that somebody might be doing something about that project that might help it and make it better uh, we'll see all right um, the, um another uh well you got go ahead and Haps will go on no you go on Haps uh, no oh uh, no i <laughs> it's so weird it's so weird to oh, hear no, you, you call go. me Habsel. <laughs> You can call uh, me Wolf, you know, that's fine. He, he can it's his it's his show. Uh, you can be Josh. No, it's just it's just that, you know, we have our we've had our bromance for two years now and he's never he's never once called me Habsel. It's it's very distancing and I'm concerned. <laughs> Throwing you off. Uh yeah, Mr. no, so Mr. Josh. Yeah, thanks. Don't don't <laughs> don't turn it too sexy. Uh <laughs> Uh, sorry, my um, my question my question was going to be um, about the, about the education initiative because you guys just started up. Well, I say you guys, but um, Doctor Professor mm-hmm. Neil Davis Esquire um, started uh, is is teaching Hoon School now, which I think is well, I know is a foundation initiative as well. Mm-hmm. So, first, can you tell us about that? But then, but but my question is actually. What's the, I don't know, tentative in your mind roadmap of what's going to happen after after Hoon School for the Foundation's Education Initiative? Yeah, so Dr. Professor Davis, he is – so he's running Hoon School Live, he calls it. Um, it's going very well. It's definitely the most highly attended Hoon School in you know, recorded history. Um I heard that uh, over 130 people turned in their first homework, which is kind of amazing. Um, I turned mine in. I did it. Hell yeah. That's right. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Thank you for your service. Um, It's going very well. I'm taking it as well. And uh, the reception has been awesome, which, you know, makes sense because Neil is is really great. The, The thing that he's kind of doing is, you know, his plan was let's figure out how to teach Hoon the right way. And he's done this now a couple of times. He did this for graduates um, in uh, Martian computing. Of course, he taught at mm-hmm. the University of Illinois uh, back in late 2020. Um, he's worked all over the stack and you know learned just about every part of it at this point. And then he taught the two-day workshop at assembly. Um, and he generally is just, you know, his unique specialty. And it's just amazing that we were able to find a person like this is like engineering pedagogy. I don't know how many specialists there are in you know, the art of teaching engineering, probably not very many, and there's not very many on Urbit. So, um, it's pretty cool that we got him and Urbit is a, I think it's a, it's a pretty difficult system to teach only because it's a bigger system than most, you know, areas of software, you know, a lot of, a lot of things are like, okay, here's, here's our API and here's how you use our API, but Urban, it's a a whole set of APIs and an entire computer and a set of philosophies about how these things all interact and they're all changing. Um, 
So it has a lot of surface area, definitely less than you'll find in, say, Linux. But no one tries to just teach how to program on Linux or Unix, period. It's just it's too big of a service area for anyone to even tackle at all in the first place. Um, so you can do it for Urbit, but it requires you know, a bit of a systems thinker, and Neil is that. And doing Hoon School Live is a first attempt, or not really attempt, but it's a bit of a um, an experiment and a way to collect some information about how people learn and what works. And he's really concerned with finding the minimal possible path to teach Hoon that gets you to a branching off point in which you can go in multiple different directions. I want to be a front-end developer. I want to be an application developer. I want to work on the kernel. I want to work on a specific part of the kernel. Um, but there's some minimum backbone of skills that are required. And, you know, Hoon, you know, most languages have a lot of facilities for um, convenience, right? They call it, one form of this is called syntactic sugar, where you can have, you know, different ways of expressing the same thing in order to make the program flow better or feel better to use or a bit more understandable. And Hoon has a very large number of these. Um, one of the things that Neil's trying to do is eliminate all of that and get to <laughs> I, I, for, for what I can tell, like I, I personally cannot tell what is actual Hoon and what is syntactic sugar. I mean, it's yeah. like, it seems like almost every, the entire language is, but yeah. Yeah. Hoon is a, like a, a syntax, a syntax maximalist language or syntactic maximalist. Like they, the thought was humans are actually really good at learning syntax and then internalizing it. Um, it's just that, I think maybe the oversight there is that humans are really good at learning syntax when they're like kids and they're really good at learning stuff and then they suck at it later in life. Um, I don't know if that's true. Thank you, Mr. Chomsky. Yeah. I think it is absolutely true. That That's an episode in itself. I'm, I have oh lots my of God. You, you, guys are, you guys are going to get me going, man. <laughs> so we we'll try know, and keep going. Let's, let's, let's put a pin. Let's put a. Let's put a. I'm a linguist now. by training, so I, I'm gonna like. I, as, that's actually my specialty in linguistics is is uh, yeah, second okay. second language acquisition. So I can I can get that going. explains the introductions to these shows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, I I think the introductions to these shows are explained by uh, like a mixture of narcissism and you know like look at me look at meism. And, uh, uh, the fact that I, I wanted to, words. yeah, look at me and my fancy words. I, I, should, I just want to do, I should do more introductions. I think it's been at least a year. Um, you did one introduction, if, by the way, it's, it's always been open one. and available yeah, to you, you. but yeah, right. you did one introduction out of 30, more than a year. Right. out of 30, <laughs> 35 Jeez, shows. I have plenty of, God. I have, I have plenty of narcissism. That's not that's not the problem. So that's not the problem. Uh, okay, it's it's no, time just, and not narcissism just, that we don't have enough of. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, so, I'm too narcissistic in that. Yeah. Okay. All right, you narcissists. Returning to the subject, two forty um, year old men who who started a podcast. <laughs> I want to continue talking about me. me actually, uh, no, no. <laughs> so okay, so Neil's going to figure out what works, what doesn't, and how to teach people in Hoon School Live. He's going to get a whole bunch of data points from this process. And then he's going to, you know, what turn that into a very good version of what he calls Hoon School Dead uh, because he's clever 
Um, this is just the written form for autodidacts, the Hoon school that is hosted on the documentation that you can go to and learn um, that has, I think, was written something like four years by a different Josh um, and uh, hasn't really been touched a whole lot since. That's going to get rewritten. And we'll then have a pretty clear, concise pathway for people that are, um, you know, that didn't happen to be in the right place at the right time to take the new school live, which is only going to run maybe a couple times a year because it takes a lot of time. Um, for everybody else, and if you want to just learn on your own, you can use this. What happens from there uh, with respect to urban education is TBD. Um, we're, we're figuring that out. I know one of the efforts we should have done by the end of next quarter is just kind of a clarified pathway to how you would even learn urban in the first place. You know, right now you have to learn how to learn urban. You have to basically ask a bunch of people, what is the order in which I should read things and where in this giant nested tangled tree of documentation exist the resources to teach me how to do what I need to do and in what order. Um, so Neil's also pulling all that apart and arranging this in about as close to a linear pathway as you can get, where you start by learning Hoon, you then learn Gull in order to build basic applications and interact with Arvo. Um, and then from there, there's a few branching points. Uh, you can go deeper and learn how to, you know, say, talk to a front end properly and the different paradigms around CQRS uh, that Urban is very heavily attached to that make for a slightly different you know, UI programming paradigm than people are used to. You can learn the front end. You can go further into the kernel and learn how the different pieces of it work. Um, you can learn how azimuth works. But you, you start with a foundation. You move fairly linearly through. And you come out the other end as a capable application developer um, with places you can go, go deeper. And so we're kind of segmenting the... You know the things that teach you to be a productive developer from a lot of the other content that is maybe a little less important for your average urban developer. Um, now, for a very long time, there was no such thing as an urban application developer, and that's when most of the documentation on the site was written. So it sort of makes sense that we're sort of lagging behind on the you know, pragmatic pathway for productive urban programming. Um, because it was only like October of last year that pragmatic urban programming was really even a thing. So, um, early days. The, um, the docs in general though, cause there was a, a, a crank lobletarian who is well known and I won't name, but, um, kind of went on a 120 tweet rant, um, yeah, I tried to respond to some of those, but they're buried urban. in the 120 yeah. tweets. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, Joe Master Morzad just buried him so, yeah. so that it was Good. capably replied to. <laughs> um, but his, his, you know, one of, one of his major crank complaints was about about the docs. Um, and I think everyone knows, yeah, the Hoon School didactic stuff is antiquate you know sort of old and everything but everything else is actually in i mean like you can't even compare it i mean like you know quite a bit better shape and that that's under the foundation right it is and i i have to you know to give credit where credit's due it's under the foundation but it's mainly like you know it's two people mainly um 
John, that not Pollen, Jonathan Paparaki at Talon. Um, but, you know, he's been working on docs for a long time and has done a great job. But Tinnis Napbus has, you know, I think it's kind of the, the hero of the show here. He has written so much high quality. I mean, he, over the course of, I think, about four months, he single-handedly went in. You know, he had reviewers, of course, and a bit of, a bit of help. But he went through and documented the entirety of the kernel, all of the veins, mm-hmm. um, with a relu- with a re- like reliable, repeatable format for the data structures and an overview of how the thing actually works. It is all modernized and up to date. I mean, it it was a Herculean effort, um, like just to go through and actually read the source code of the entire kernel, which you know a guy can do in a few months, and then document the whole thing, which you know kind of shows you how big Urban is, not very big. Um, he went through and did this whole thing himself. And, uh, you know, if you'd seen what like the air docks or the clay docks looked like before tennis took a pass at them, you'd, mm. you know, you'd realize just how impressive this is, but that's not all he's done. You know, he went through and documented threads with a whole bunch of examples and how to guides tutorials. He went through and did the same thing for, uh, JSON parsing for, um, He's just about to merge the HTTP API documentation that talks about how all of that works. Um, he rewrote the Gall Guide that Tim wrote back in summer of 2020. Right. Yeah. Um, very, and it's very comprehensive. He did the, a guide for software distribution, so it's there's you know a concise set of steps. He redid the one for environment setup, um, and he's about to unleash unleash like a the Gall Guide Part 2, which is how you integrate a front end onto a Gall agent that you've built, having you build a demo application or a sample one, which is a, a journal. Um, and he built that application as well, and it is available for download. He also built a documentation app that allows you to ship documentation with your code in a desk mm. so that you know, you put your code in the same repository that your code is. And when you update your code and update your docs, it goes out in the desk. And if you install the docs app and open it, it just looks at all of the desks that you have installed and looks for docs. And if it's there, there's your, there's your documentation. So moving the docs onto urban itself, um, and not on some centralized website. Um, yeah. So the guy's a, you know, you know, read the docs and say thank you to Tim Snappus because for a cephalopod, for a cephalopod, he's very, very productive. <laughs> he is. Yeah. I, I asked him about that avatar and he said, I think something to the effect of, I don't know. I was just experimenting with avatars and I found this one and uploaded it and it stuck. So <laughs> that it was, it comes like, here, it I was expecting some identity. story about like, why an octopus? Right. So what's, what's the deal here? He's like, oh, that's a random picture. Well, he's one of the so I've turned off avatars and nicknames, but, but he's like one of those people who well, yeah. But he he's one of those people who like I still like I see that I see the octopus every single time. It's not, yeah, yeah. You know, so. <laughs> it's a good one. Um, is yeah, your team mine. group still uh, going? Yeah, it's there. There's not much to talk about. You know, I'm, I'm not really, you know, I don't really use it very often. Um, I host it. I mean, I think that the big thing, and honestly, it's, you know, it's about tea. It's like, well, we're not there to talk, um, just drink tea and post your tea stuff here. So it has a, you know, an ongoing, you know, every time I go to a new 
place in the world that has great tea, I post it there so you can find it. So you can, you know, it's kind of my personally curated list of all the sources of tea that I purchase on a regular basis. Um, I learned about a technique called the Weiwei Bay back in uh, October at Assembly. There's a little write-up about what that is in this group. You guys heard of the Weiwei Bay? No. I mean, yeah, I'm not surprised. It's kind of obscure. But the idea is this, you know, often with, you know, with traditional Chinese tea or Kung Fu style, you, you know, you sit down and you pour water over your tea a number of different times. It's many different stoops and the tea tends to evolve over time. You do this often with oolongs, with red teas, with poor tea, um, with white tea as well. Um, less so green tea. But the tea changes over time, right? And so a Weiwei Bay is when you take the first pour, which is usually the most flavorful, you know, and you set it aside. And then you proceed to continue to pour tea and you drink that. And then at the very end of the session, when the tea is no longer, you know, it's pretty much shot and um, it's changed a lot from the start, you now drink the first pour to compare and contrast where it was from uh. the start to the finish. Just, I mean, you know, way, way, ba, way, ba means tail. And so that must, mm. maybe that's the character that they're using there. Um, it's funny, you know, uh, I've kind of like been in and out of China for almost two decades now. I speak the language well. Anything food or beverage related, I am still like a total new, like I just don't, I can't do it. Like I go to a restaurant and I I order like the same three dishes <laughs> because it's like what I know. <laughs> and I've gotten into trouble before, you know. Like I early early on, I mean, like I was living in Beijing in two thousand six and um, was was just starting to really learn how to read. And I, I like lamb, and so I went and ordered. I was like, okay, well, there's a lamb character here. I'm gonna just order this dish and did that and then like out comes oh that's this, dangerous like steaming steaming bowl of just guts like innards right <laughs> and it was um it was That'll like kidney you. liver and inte intestines everything and and you know I, I'm, oh, but I, I, i'm not a picky eater i'm not a picky eater so and they're like they're like do you want some rice i'm like yeah i would like some rice to like wash this down rice and i, I try yeah. I, I try. I tried my best. I think I made. I made it like probably a quarter, a quarter of the way through, and um, so so anyway. So like after that, it's just you know, pai huang gua and shui uh, shu uh, rou, the uh, spicy sort of spicy meat and cucumber and and maybe a beer to wash it down. Um, that's all you're gonna get out of me. Oh man! In in Chengdu, we we have a, a restaurant specifically for. Uh, Fei Chang, like um, intestines, fatty intestines. I, I, and I like that. I mean, like I'll, I'll eat it, but I need to know that that's what I'm getting. You know, All I, right, I need yeah. to, you know, and I need someone to say, like, you know, okay, we're gonna order that, and it need that, you know, I, I just, I just can't, I can't do it. It's like that, that time I picture with the yeah. animals and say, you know, point right. to the part of the animal. Which, which is just to say, I like, I, yeah. I don't know, like I, I've had tea. I mean, I, I'm like, I'm the ugly American. I, I just drink coffee still, even in, even in the kind of golden land of tea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm actually living in like the tea capital of the world and, and I'm a coffee drinker. So this is like a slap in your face. <laughs> 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 so uh, sad. 
Yeah. Uh, now, I mean, tea houses um, are little so, old people I, in the tea houses next to the next to these very idyllic um, parks, you know, with the little mm, the little, chi- little uh, Chinese tea garden parks everywhere with old people. And I just you, you don't I need to bring the in. I have start be- actually, you know, you you have had some effect here because because the other day I was looking to um, find something that I can drink at night uh, before I go to bed without keeping me up all night. And obviously, coffee is not the choice. So I went to go get some tea, and um, I from you I learned uh, not to not to just drink the initial pour. Uh, I, I, or I, I saved my tea. I didn't throw it away. You know, I, I got some tea in the morning and drank it from morning to evening. And by the time I got to the evening cup, if there was any, anything in there that would have kept me awake, it was, it was a nice subtle. Yeah. So by the time I got to the evening pour, it was a subtle bit of tea. So yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. You, you did influence That's me good. in That's China, in, in the tea great. capital to actually drink tea with some sort of proper technique okay that's i good. think i think that sounds yeah. sounds right See, well, look at that if, if you've uh you know now you you've accomplished something um you know if if nothing else at the end of Finally. At the end of history at the end Jesus. of history the, <laughs> when they're like what is your legacy josh what's your legacy well i got this other I, josh to you know, drink his tea <laughs> drink properly his, drink his tea properly yeah. Yeah, he was a the um with the, with the spinoff of uh, uh, the Urbit Foundation, uh, you have a board now. Um, how is that? How is that set up? Kind of, what's their responsibility? I know there's at least one sort of prominent, prominent-ish name there. Yeah. Well, the uh, are you are you asking who's on the board? We dare we dare not speak his name. Their names. I'm asking. Yeah. I'm asking who's on the board. You can volunteer that, <laughs> but I mean, just you know, what, what's that? What's that dynamic? What's the dynamic like? How were they chosen? Um, do they know that they're on the board? Um, <laughs> they do. They do know they're on the board. We didn't just you know like pick some names and start talking, telling people about it. Um, that'd be that'd be very rude. Um, yeah, I mean, the way it worked was, you know, to speak to the whole thing. So we. We wanted the, the Urban Foundation to have some form of governance by the Senate, uh, by the galaxies. Um, but direct governance by the galaxies, you know, basically as a DAO, you know, with one option and one extreme where you basically say, okay, the Urban Foundation is nothing but the will of the galaxies and they form a DAO and vote on what they want to see happen. Which is a good, really, like, that's a really good way to have nothing happen because when you try and you know, have a large body of people come to decisions, you end up with no decisions at all because, well, that's, that's just what happens. Um, you can't build so, anything by committee. No, you can't build anything by committee. Um, and galaxy owners are, you know, they're, some of them are very engaged. Some of them are very not engaged. And then many of them are in between and they didn't really sign up to, you know, go and direct the future of the project. They're in a, in a different position of wanting to see it done competently and see their, you know, they want to steward the network and have it competently run um, and make the important decisions, um, but not all of the decisions. Um, so we set up the, the Urban Foundation board is 
nominated and voted in by the galaxies. And we have three members. And the idea is that they pick a board, and the board is one level more involved with what's going on with the Foundation specifically. Um, but even they are a little bit removed from the day-to-day decision-making, just as a board of directors in a normal company is not, you know, they're, at least in a good case, is not interjecting too much and becoming, uh, you know, interfering with the operations of the organization. You know, if they're doing that, then they're micromanaging and they're, you know, they're really, they've not made good choices as a board. Their mandate is to select the person that's in my situation um, as the executive director. And that's the person that, you know, gets all the headaches and does all the stuff. Um, And then they're really just evaluating, am I doing a good job or not? And the galaxies are evaluating whether or not they have picked a good person um, and a a good administration to be running this thing that's allocating assets effectively. Um, So it's a somewhat novel structure. It's not usually how boards work. Boards are usually the top of the structure. In this case, the galaxies are. Um, But but I think it's a good layering. Um, The board is comprised of a, you know, and I'm not, I'm happy to say who the people are. Um, the So the first guy on the board, Sam Frank, he's been around the project for a long time. Todd said Partug. Um, he was originally a journalist, um, which, you know, it speaks to, you know, how good of a person he is that he's a journalist. He's on the board <laughs> of the foundation and um, he's... You know, uh, he's one of the good ones for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, he kind of earned everybody's trust back in the day from, you know, like writing a piece for Wired about Urbit and they wanted to turn it into a, you know, Curtis Yarvin is awful hit piece. And he said, no, and walked away. Um, and that was, you know, that was kind of when everyone went, oh, this guy's, you know, got some sense of ethics. It's cool. Uh, so he has continued to be around the project. He was, I think, pretty instrumental in getting a lot of other people in his, you know, little syndicate called Cluster to join in um, on buying galaxies as well. And has just been a you know long-term, um, you know, good support structure for the network. And um, so he he's also been extremely helpful to me in navigating the early days of getting the foundation set up and dealing with. One specific thing we had to do, which is getting KYC'd by the Cayman Islands government uh, so that we could actually open an entity. And he you know, volunteered for that unfortunate duty. Um, so there's Sam Frank. Um, next guy is, is Tim, um, who we've referred to a number of times on this. Um, you know, Tim was... Um, Tim, and, Tim and Sam were both... Well, Sam was kind of a de facto board member, but we voted for him anyway as a Senate just to memorialize it. Um, Tim was my nomination and was, you know, seconded by lots of people because Tim is extremely active on the network, very invested. Um, he's, you know, you can ping him at just about all hours of the day and he responds. I don't know when he sleeps, but sometimes maybe he's, uh, you know, and then of course he's gone on to build all kinds of important infrastructure for the network and is continuing to do so in the form of Bar. Um, so and he's, you know, throughout that been like a really, really 
trusted advisor of mine. Um, and the third name is is Bology, um, as you know, many people in the space uh, are, are familiar with him. He's he was a nomination of Galen's Bology has you know been he yeah he was at Andreessen back in the day um, when the um, back when they invested in the very early Urbit and has been involved to varying degrees over time. Um, he's you know interested in being more involved. He's definitely you know a kind of coming in a little bit from the outside because he's he's not real active on the network, um, which makes sense because Bology's got his hands in all kinds of things. He's uh, but he coming from the outside he. I think is going to add an element of holding our feet to the fire um, in relationship to the rest of the Web3 world that is taking off in various ways. And as a person that wants to see Urbit be very successful, but has serious competition um, that it's up against in the form of a you know growing ecosystem that, you know, as he's pointed out to us, is like picking apart the things that Urbit does, right? ENS for identity. Um, you know, there's another project called Ceramic that is trying to do decentralized data, um, you know, private data that's stored off chain. Um, there are, and that's what he's worried about will be the failure mode for, for Urbit is, you know, other projects come and basically take the many things that Urbit has pioneered. Um, but they do it in a more decentralized protocol-esque way that is pluggable with more things. And so he's kind of able to come and, you know, tell us, well, how are you going to get around that problem um, and win um, when you're up against all of these these other elements? Um, and, of course, the answer is by, you know, being awesome um, and having a hoon. That's how we win. But, but, you know, we have to come up with better answers than that. And so um, we're excited to have him on. We had a, we've had a, he does know he's a board member. Um, we've had a, a at least <laughs> one board meeting um, in which, you know, we got all kinds of, you know, good feedback from him and direction setting. And, um, you know, I think he's, he's going to test us a bit and, uh, you know, in the right ways. We're not, you know, we're not announcing this widely. Um, you know, I just kind of announced it here, but it's, you know, buried late in this podcast. And I, I think it's, you know, the kind of thing as a project that we don't want to come out with a press release on until, um, until we've gotten some of our ducks in a row, right? We know that Urbit is not very approachable right now. It is, you know, if you, if you hear about Urbit and wander onto our website, you're not exactly going to learn what to do next very quickly. Um, the development pipeline that we talked about earlier and the path to learning how to build on Urbit is still not clear. Um, and there's a lot of problems with the economics of Urbit, you know, the Rapstar project. Um, onboarding has continued to be a, a big problem for a while, and L2 has definitely gone a long way to helping with that, but there's still a lot of work to do. So... Um, what we want to do is make a, you know, more of an announcement to the world in conjunction with him. And I think he wants to see us solve some of these problems too, and have his involvement be of use at a time when we've gone and 
fixed some of these issues and at least made a really good effort, you know, to um, be a project that actually speaks to the rest of the world and allows people to engage with instead of being buried behind, you know, layers of um, arcane obscurity. So um, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, I've, you've blown it now because uh, this announcement is going to go out to what our our tens of rabid fans. <laughs> oh no! Why well, I yeah. think everyone who does listen does listen to the whole thing. So that's that, true. That's, that's that's true. They're yeah. going to find it. And I'm yeah. you know I'm I, I've told many people on the network that this is the case. I'll continue to do so. Um, I you know. I think it's very bullish that Bology is willing to be on the foundation of the of the on the foundation of the board on the board of the European Foundation, um, and I think those of us that are working on the project should take it as that. Uh, but we should also take it mm. as a challenge to like meet the potential of what um, having a supporter like that can be, and that means we do have still a lot of work to do. I think the way he put it was urban is kind of like the Galapagos Islands, right? It's like this very strange ecosystem that has been evolving independently of the rest of the world for a very long time. And it's full of strange, interesting oddities. Like Andy. Like Andy, like, mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. Mr. Mr. Josh here. Um, you know, the, there's, it, it's got a lot of, you know, neat little weird things. And it's, it's certainly a, an oddity worth coming to visit. But that is not good. That's not a winning strategy. And so in yeah. discussing with him, like a big part of the Urbit Foundation's goal for the year and beyond is to take Urbit off of the goal. You know, we're going to do a reverse thing. We're not going to go and discover the Galapagos. We're going to take the Galapagos to the world and figure out how to be useful. Um, and we know how to do that. You know, we, we, we know the things... Like we know that Urbit has a lot of value for the world, um, but we have to tell that story a little better and do the work to make everybody see it. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it came up, <clears throat> I think, in a few apps in a very different um, context, but kind of talking about careers and everything. But it is um, it's never enough just to be right. You know, and I think that it's easy, especially as people like us that are um, relatively longer time <clears throat> members of the community and are totally into it to say, oh, no, 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 like this is this is totally the right way, you know, the right paradigm. This is the future and everything. But no, you have to take the step two and you have to be persuasive and you have to be strategic. Um, and it's, it's not going to be enough to just kind of sit there and say, no, 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 like Hoon is perfect. Um, yep. or gonna make this it. identity system, everything, right? I mean, it, you've got to, you've got to move on to that evangelization. Yeah. Yep. Two more questions. Yep. First of which is, um, can you just tell us what's in the, uh, what you're excited about from the foundation in maybe the short term and long term that we haven't talked about already something that some meat for the meat for the boys yeah well totally so um some meat for the listeners here if you've made it this far which apparently all of your listeners will have um all 12 those are the people i actually all 12 these are the people i want to speak to we are best throwing... by weight that's right 
we are throwing some parties in New York City um, in May. There was a nod to this in the newsletter. Um, the idea is to, you know, like last year we did this town hall event. Actually, you know, the idea is that what we found is the Urbit vibe is really awesome. Were you guys at assembly? I don't think you made it out to that. I, for us to travel requires like months of decontamination on returns. So unfortunately, yeah. we were not yeah, that's right. there. The what you probably you know you've no doubt heard at this point is that the vibe was great, right? Um, when urbiters get together, it's extremely exciting, um, and the the energy is very palpable. And we want to do some more of that. And so, one of the things that we've noticed happening is there's this like strange contingency of New York Zoomers that are very into urban. And I, I can't claim to totally understand uh, what's going on in that scene, but I know that it's good. Um, oh man, my baby is, she's really angry right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <Angry. laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Feed her. Um, we're throwing parties. You're going to want to be there. It's going to be great. That's something I'm very excited for in the short term. Um, it's uh, the idea is to have it be a little bit underground, invite only. We will only be spreading the word about this on the network um, and on the stack because it's basically on the network. Um, yeah. What am I excited about in the long term? Um, well, the thing I've always, you know, I want to try and let me keep this high level. I mean, the thing that I've always liked about Urbit is that it just, it, it, we all talk about this all the time, but it attracts really great people. Um, mm. And I think the foundation is in a really good position to steward good people to the network and that's really what our whole that's our whole shtick and what it's what it's all organized around you know I, i've talked about this internally a bunch of times about how what we're really doing with grants and with education and with throwing events and um and with the combine as well in you know trying to fund good urban organizations is it's all about you know building an army Right, a a group of people that wants to be here and want to build this future. I mean, armies maybe not the best example because you know armies are not necessarily always building; they're often destroying kind of orcs. But, yeah, yeah, orcs. You know, build some. Yeah, okay, not not the orc a army. Nation building, um, a nation building army, a nation a building nation army. building army. I think Police you know, action. The, the, yeah. the organized, disciplined. Well, discipline, that's a bit of a stretch. But, you know, the, the body of people um, that come together and want to see a certain future emerge and are aligned on a shared set of values, you know, that are optimistic about the application of freedom-preserving technology. Like, bringing those people together to build stuff and talk to them all the time about their many odd and amazing ideas is the most exciting part about this job um, and just about everything we do the fact that we have the opportunity to keep funding people to find ways to make this thing successful is is what makes it 
you know, what, what makes it so incredibly rewarding. Um, so, I mean, yeah, in the long term, I'm excited about continuing to do that and that we continue to see more and more uh, interesting, established, in many cases, disciplined pro-natalist people will have their children, you know, to, to come and right. help build Urbit with in the future. You know, like it's, it's that that I'm most excited about is really being able to go after mm. and support um, all of the builders out there that want to make this thing successful. So that's not that meaty, but, you know, but it is, uh, I think everyone that talks to me knows that, but um, it, it does make this feel very special. No, I think I think so. And it's we're still in the the first the first years of the early days of Urbit. So, um that's pretty exciting. How was how was uh new new fatherhood? Yeah, new fatherhood is amazing. Um I I can only hope it continues to be this awesome. Um, I think it will and probably more so, but um yeah, babies are great. I I feel like I wasn't really told that enough growing up. Maybe maybe I just didn't pay attention. Um, but uh, you know, you just everything's so happy all the time. I feel like the the, the baseline level of um, you know my own baseline level of satisfaction with the world is so much higher having a child, and my own internal motivation to you know not like fuck shit up is much higher because I have this, you know, you can hear this is human uh, that depends on me to go do stuff. Um, and yeah. But aren't you glad that you waited to receive that child's consent before <laughs> conceiving and giving birth? Uh, because so it would have been so irresponsible. Yeah. It would have been so irresponsible for you to condemn a child to existence without their <sighs> agreement. So, oh my god! You know, Vinny is going to hear this. Vinny, uh, this is what. But this who, is who what I, people don't get. Like, I, it, I like even, a lot. Yeah, this is he, bullying. He, you know, he this was bullying. He, he but, was. But, uh, he, it, yes, and and he said, you know, I like you guys, but why do you have to bull, bully me about about this stuff? You know, like I, I there's the one thing. It's just constant bullying to have children. And I told him, look, man, if if I didn't, if I didn't, if nobody liked you, if nobody wanted you around, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, uh, you know, be bullying you, you to have day. children. I wouldn't. Yeah. I don't. I don't tell people I don't like to have kids. You know. Yeah, you don't think I actually yeah. don't no, like. I, I, <laughs> I, I actually, yeah. Well, that's true, I, right? But that's so. It's so true, Vinny. I mean, like when when you have your kid, <laughs> you, you will like like Josh. You will say like this is great because that's a part of how it works. Maybe you hate other kids, but you'll love your kid, and that's you listen. There's nothing so. you gain. A there's nothing totally better. Yeah, there's nothing better than than I mean on the subject of hating other people's kids. There's nothing better than watching somebody else's kid fall off the last step on the bus. I mean that is perfection, right? Somebody else's kid falling off the bottom step of a bus is perfection. But your own kid, I mean, there's a it's a totally different, totally different experience. You can only like first you have to check to make sure they're okay, and then you can laugh. Yeah. Um, right. There's no blood. Yeah, there's no blood. You're okay. 
Um, so very resilient creatures too. You know, they're going to be fun. Yeah. My kid, my kid right now has, has bruises all over his forehead from, um, not from abuse, not from abuse. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's, you know, he, he's clumsy and a boy and, uh, you know, and he's two. So he's like running into, he's, he'll run and they just fall off of, of some high place and slide down it and then be Mm -hmm. shocked. He's he's shocked by things, which is which is the it best. Is funny. I mean, we we could obviously <laughs> spend like hours it, on this, but but like angry jo- at the both universe. Josh, both Josh Habsel and I had girls first, and then and then boys, and it is completely different. I mean, like the physical totally stuff. Where like yesterday, I mean, like the boy was just like literally just running up and down the apartment, like bashing his head into something, <laughs> like you know, like having having the time of his life. Um, so it's uh these these are joyful things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You try to get try to get both if you can. Different. Yeah. You know, yeah, you got to collect yeah. this. You have you to collect this. You didn't teach that them to be this way. Oh, yeah. now we're going to yeah, get into right. now we're going to get into the nature <laughs> yeah. nature nurture thing. <laughs> I I know what I know what urbiters know about things. Yeah. Uh right. Yeah, but you got to get you do need to collect a set because it's both I'm experiences. Yeah, both experiences are are worth. With the girl, it's like I, I have no sort of connection. Uh, no, when I say no connection, it's I mean like um, um, I can't understand her world experience. Uh, yeah. She and her mom, you know, they do girl stuff. They they do hair stuff, and this is important. It's important stuff, mm-hmm. the hair stuff. But with yeah. the boy, he and I read Beowulf together. You know. Yeah. And uh, you can tell him stuff like you need to eat more meat so you can be strong like Beowulf, you know. Uh, I mean, it's just it's great. He wants to he wants to break off sticks and beat other children with them. And I get that. I'm like his mother suggests that I tell him not to do that. But I mean, who am I to stop him from world conquest? Yeah, Yeah, you can't do that. You have to let them conquer. This is the proper yeah. way to to be a boy. Josh. Josh. Andy. All right. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. Please follow us at Stack Podcast, that's S-T-A-C-K underscore podcast on Twitter, or our dad's Twitter at Urbit Media. Go to urbit.media to read psychologically damaging think pieces about finance, technology, and the Irish. And as always, remember, it's Josh's all the way down.